This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good evening. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel. If we haven't met, we're thrilled that you are joining us for Ash Wednesday. I want to say thanks to all of our chapel youth students for coming down. It's always fun to have you guys join us. Um, and uh, Pastor Titus was asking me of like, hey, what do you want me to do on Ash Wednesday? Do you want me to like start with a game? But we couldn't really think of Ash Wednesday themed games uh, that, that really kind of fit in well. So we, we passed on that. So uh, instead, we're going to have Titus help us with some other elements of the service as we go along. But um, my kind of informal survey each year, I'm always curious. So Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of Lent. Lent is um, the beginning of a 40-day season of preparation, not counting Sundays, that the church sets aside leading up to the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, when we really celebrate that fully. Uh, but I'm always curious, how many of you grew up in a, an environment, a church environment, where Lent was something you participated in? Okay. Um, how many of you did not do that? Okay, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I knew nothing about Lent when I was growing up. The first time I heard one of my Catholic friends at, um, at school talk about it or one of my Presbyterian or Methodist friends, I legitimately thought they were talking about drier Lent, um, that you clean out of the Lent screen. So, and I could not figure out why their Lent meant you had to eat fish on Fridays. There was just no... I really struggled, and they would look at me, and they'd be like, isn't your dad a pastor? I'd be like, yeah, but I still don't know what you mean. Um, and so kind of as I went through college, as I went through seminary, and then came to Christian Chapel, Lent is something I was kind of progressively introduced to and found to be a really meaningful experience. Um, now, as we, as we work through Lent each year at Christian Chapel, we always want to remember a couple things. First, Lent is not in the Bible. So we, we know that, it's not prescribed in that, um, but there are a lot of other things in our lives that we find useful and helpful in our spiritual disciplines um, that are not in the Bible. So our, our annual Bible reading plans, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, um, youth camps and kids camps, all of these types of things are not in the scriptures, and yet they are things that we found helpful. So Lent is something that was introduced by the church in the 10th century. And the reason it was introduced was because the church recognized the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter is such a high and holy day that they wanted to be sure people were really ready to observe that and to celebrate that. And so they began to develop a, a liturgical calendar, a church calendar, where they identified the important days. So now you, you see this happening with our government in the United States, where we have a national calendar, and we have different federal holidays and state holidays, and they are set aside to honor and to celebrate really significant and meaningful moments. And so Lent, at its core, is it's not a way for God to love us more. It's not some like ritualistic, uh, legalistic type experience. But Lent is just a practice that Christians from all kinds of denominations and backgrounds have found helpful for century after century after century to observe the significance of the resurrection of Jesus. And so Lent, what it really does is it provides us with an opportunity to slow down. Because what the, the church discovered is the same thing that you and I have discovered in our life, is that life is busy. And when life is busy, things sneak up on you, right? It's why there are maybe some husbands in the room who are just now figuring out it's not just Ash Wednesday, it's also Valentine's Day. 
because it just snuck right up on you. And so you're going to make the excuse when you get home of like, hey, babe, I'll drop you off, and then i got to go get gas, which is code for I'm going to run to Walgreens. I'm hoping there's a card and some flowers and some candy, and then I'm going to make great promises of where we're going on Friday, and I'll make that reservation tomorrow. Right? This, it just Things sneak up on us. They catch us off guard. We're not prepared. We're not ready for them. And so what Lent does is Lent gives us a chance to slow down, to build some rhythms and routines into our life so that we are ready to focus on the reality of the resurrection and the significance of what it means for us. And so there's, there's two primary ways throughout church history that Christians have utilized the season of Lent to slow down. The first is Lent helps us slow down by putting things down. And so if, if you're familiar with Christians participating in Lent, you have probably heard them ask each other the question, what are you giving up for Lent? Right? And, and the thought there is not that we are giving things up for some kind of like second shot at a New Year's resolution. Um, it's not that we're giving things up to try to improve or better ourselves, but it's we're going to identify something in our life that is significant and meaningful, and we're going to lay that down and give that up with the intention of that sacrifice being a daily reminder throughout the season of Lent of the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. So you can give up all kinds of things. Now, there are a few things you can't give up during Lent, right? You can't give up being a parent during Lent. You can't give up your spouse during Lent. You can't give up homework during Lent. Um, I think each of my kids at one point have tried to give up school during Lent. You can't give up work during Lent, right? You can't give up good and godly things you're supposed to be doing during Lent. That's kind of the opposite of the point. So, so a lot of times people will give up certain types of food. People will give up uh, soda. They might give up candy or desserts. Um, sometimes they'll give up uh, different things like excess spending or frivolous purchases. Sometimes we will give up things like I'll give up the podcast while I'm driving or I'll give up the radio. But all of those things are done with the intention of I'm going to give something up that serves as a, if not daily, a regular reminder for me during this season that every time I would normally reach for that thing, engage in that activity, purchase that item, when I choose not to do it, it's not an effort to say, God, aren't you proud of me because I'm so disciplined? Instead, it's a moment to remember that, that twinge of, of regret that I feel, that twinge of self-denial that I'm feeling is intended to point me back to the sacrifice of Jesus. And to remember, I give these things up to remember the greater sacrifice that has been made for me. So Lent slows us down. So if, if you've never participated in Lent before, I'd encourage you um, to spend some time tonight, tomorrow, thinking, praying, talking with friends or family about what are some things I could give up this year. Um, and my recommendation to you is always just be, be very realistic in that process, right? If you're a seven cups of coffee a day drinker, don't just go cold turkey, like, like maybe cut back to five um, and, and just kind of figure out what that is and just incorporate it and see what happens in your life. The other way that Lent helps us slow down is not just by putting things down, but Lent also helps us slow down by picking things up. So kind of the, the other side of Lent that doesn't get discussed as often is during Lent, it's a season for us to pick up new and good habits, new and good behaviors so that we can be more in tune with who God is and what God does. And so you might pick up extra time reading the scriptures. You might pick up extra time in prayer. You might pick up extra investments of generosity. You might pick up an extra area where you are serving in your community or in your church. Whatever it might be, 
But again, as you pick that thing up, the reason you're picking it up is then every time you engage in that activity, every time that reminder goes off on your phone, it's a reminder for you that you're not only picking up an activity, but you are also picking up the new life that Jesus has brought to you. And you're stepping into it, and you're walking through it, and you are experiencing the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And so as we, as we kind of work our way through Lent, what we're remembering is we do not participate in Lent to make God love us more. Right? There's nothing you can do that can make him love you more or less. You do not give things up or pick things up during Lent in an attempt to bargain with God, where you're thinking, you know, I, I really do want that promotion, and so maybe if I give this thing up during Lent, God will give it to me after Easter. That's not how Lent works. Lent is simply an exercise for us to engage in to more frequently slow down and be really fully ready to celebrate both the sacrifice of Jesus on Good Friday and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. And so, so Lent is a wonderful opportunity for us to embrace a 40-day almost kind of season of spiritual renewal. And Lent begins with Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is tonight, and Ash Wednesday is a day for us to really focus on two things. We focus on the seriousness of our sin, and we focus on the significance of forgiveness that Jesus offers to us. Again, I told you that Lent originated in the church around the 10th century. And so if, if you have some issues with Lent or you have some issues with Ash Wednesday, I want to help you think of it in a way that will maybe bring a little freedom um, and a little more appreciation for you. Think of Ash Wednesday as just a giant object lesson. Right now, if you're not familiar with an object lesson, you should probably uh, go to Chapel Kids on a Sunday morning or go to Chapel Youth on a Wednesday night because Pastor Amy and Pastor Titus are both great with object lessons. And object lessons are, uh, it's a really complex definition. It's an object that teaches a lesson, right? It's, it's what it is. And so what the church discovered in the 10th century was they had a, a lot of people, again, whose lives were busy, who were consumed with just putting bread on the table every day for their families. They had a largely illiterate congregation. Uh, some estimates will say that it might have been less than 10% of men and less than 1.5% of women that would have been able to read. So what that means is, they don't have the scriptures available to them. Right? In the 10th century, there's not a Bible in every home. There's maybe a Bible in every town or every village, but even that Bible is going to be in Latin, not the language of the people. So even if you can read your own language, you're not gonna be able to read the scriptures. And so what the church found was they had to become more creative in telling the stories of Jesus and building out a, a more robust daily experience of him. And Ash Wednesday becomes this kind of milestone moment each year for the church to remind everyone we are all sinners in need of a Savior. So the Ash Wednesday name comes from the ashes that we receive on our forehead at an Ash Wednesday service. And so the object lesson has two points to it. One, the ashes to remind us of the sin and the stain, or the stain and the death that sin brings. That sin always leaves a mark on all of us. And then the ashes are placed on your forehead in the shape of a cross. As a reminder that sin brings death and sin leaves a mark, but Jesus comes to bring forgiveness and to bring new life. And so what the church discovered was this simple object lesson became an opportunity to start people at the beginning of the Easter story. 
And the Easter story doesn't start with the arrival of Jesus. It doesn't start with the triumphal entry. It doesn't start with his arrest in the garden or his crucifixion or resurrection. But the story of Jesus always starts with the story of my sin and your sin. And so Ash Wednesday is an opportunity for us to again remember this year about the significance of sin and the significance of our Savior. And so real quick, before we kind of move into um, receiving the ashes and receiving communion, taking some time to pray together, I want to walk you through four biblical principles that Ash Wednesday reminds us of. The first thing it reminds us of is that God is serious about sin. Genesis chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, is the story of Adam and Eve after the entrance of sin into their life in the Garden of Eden. It says, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And so from the creation story, what we learn is that God is very serious about sin. He doesn't take it lightly. He doesn't overlook it. But our sin has real and lasting consequences. On Ash Wednesday, when we receive the ashes on our forehead, we are being reminded that our sin was so serious that it separates us from God. Our sin is so serious that it brings harm into our relationships with each other. And our sin is so serious that it has damaged even creation itself. And so in a, a church culture and in a, a kind of political environment and just the world we live in where it is increasingly unpopular to talk about the reality of sin and God's displeasure with sin, Ash Wednesday confronts us with the reality that God never lets sin slide. He sees it, he's appalled by it, and it leaves a lasting sense of death and damage in our souls and in our relationships. And so when we receive ashes on Ash Wednesday, it's a way for us to remember that God sees my sin and God is serious about my sin. Right? He never chooses to look the other way. He never pats us on the back and says, that's okay, I'm sure you didn't mean to. But in every time, in every way, sin brings real and lasting damage to us. Ash Wednesday also teaches us, though, that God is serious about forgiveness. In John chapter 1, verse 29, Jesus is identified as the one who takes away the sin of the world. And so while Ash Wednesday confronts us and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, Ash Wednesday and the ashes especially being placed on our forehead in the shape of a cross remind us that God is serious about sin, but he is equally serious about forgiving us of sin and removing the stain from our life. God's response isn't to turn away from you in your sin. His response isn't to shut the door on a relationship with you. His response isn't to say, I know what you've done, and if you'll stand up in front of everyone and confess it and cry a little bit, then maybe one day I'll forgive you. Right? And somehow that's, that's sometimes how Lent gets twisted. It's how Ash Wednesday gets twisted. Of This is a season of penance. It's a season for me to prove that I'm worth forgiving. It's a season for me to show God that I'm serious. But it's not any of that. Ash Wednesday is an opportunity for me to say, I'm a sinner, and thank God he forgives sinners. Ash Wednesday is an opportunity for God to say to us, while you are still sinners, Christ died for you. 
Ash Wednesday is a reminder that before we ever had a thought towards God, before we ever had a move towards God, before we ever had an inkling that something could be better in our lives, he had already moved toward us. And so on Ash Wednesday, when we consider that God is serious about sin and he's also serious about forgiveness, those aren't just kind of generic principles applied to the church in general, but they're principles intended to be transformative in my life and your life. And so the the third thing that Ash Wednesday teaches us is that everyone is a sinner. Tonight, when, when we receive the ashes, everyone gets them. Right, everyone who walks forward gets the ashes. In all the years that, that I've been leading Ash Wednesday services, there has never been a person that's walked to the front that I've looked at and thought, I don't think they need this. I don't, of all the, and I have put ashes on the foreheads of some sweet old ladies who love Jesus and pray for their grandkids, but they're sinners. Right? And I've put ashes on the, the forehead of my fellow pastors, they're sinners. I put ashes on my own family. I put ashes on myself, right? There is no one who's exempt from this process. And it's, it's a reminder of what Romans 3.23 teaches us, that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that all means what it meant then is what it means now. It still means all, every single one of us. There's no one righteous. There's no one who can achieve salvation on their own. There's no one who has ever sinned. Anyone who ever tells you that they've never had a need to ask for forgiveness reveals the lack of awareness they have of their own state of their soul. And so what Ash Wednesday reminds us of is we are all sinners, every single one of us. But then then it also points us towards, again, the good news, but everyone can be forgiven. Right, Romans, Romans chapter 3, verse 24, if you read immediately after we're told that all of us are sinners, <clears throat> it says, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And so on Ash Wednesday, no one's rejected from receiving ashes as a sign of our sin, and no one is rejected from washing those ashes off of their face later that evening as a reminder of Christ's forgiveness. In the same way that, like, I've never, again, I've I've been doing these for years, I've never done an Ash Wednesday service and showed up on Sunday morning following to see people who still have the ashes on their forehead. Why? Because we all go home and we all wash it off. And some of you, you might go home and lay down and forget. But tomorrow, at some point, you're washing it off. If you get up and go to work or school, you're not going to be there five minutes before you're going to be made aware that you need to go and (laughs) wash it off, right? Ash Wednesday reminds us that we are all sinners, but we are all also forgiven. And so what that means is it means it's good news for me, and it means it's good news for you that Jesus sees every single thing you've done. He sees the sins you are still so desperately trying to hide. He sees the seasons of your life that you still pray no one will ever find out about. He looks at it, he declares it as sin, and then he offers complete and total forgiveness from it. And so my my favorite part of Ash Wednesday is not when we gather together, it's not when we place the ashes on our forehead, it's really not even when we receive communion or when we worship or pray or preach. My favorite part every year of Ash Wednesday is when I go home and I look in the mirror And I remember the significance of what those ashes mean, that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And as I get that water out of the sink and I mix it with a little bit of soap and I start to 
put it on my forehead, and it washes off. It's my favorite moment of Ash Wednesday every year because it's a continual reminder to me that in the same way, Jesus doesn't just turn away from my sin, but he washes it away. He no longer holds it against me. He separates what I've done and who I was from who I am in him. And he removes it, he removes the stain, he removes the mark, and he calls me and marks me as his son instead. And so Ash Wednesday is far more than a religious ritual. Ash Wednesday is far more than just a night of the year that that we come and worship together. It's an opportunity for us to remember the relationship that changes every single thing in our life. So the band's going to come back here in just a moment, and we're all going to have an opportunity to participate in Ash Wednesday together. And so, so the way that will work this evening is I'll, I'll kind of set up over here. Pastor Titus will be over here. If you'll kind of line up down those aisles on each side, um, you'll come up to Pastor Titus and I. We're going to place those ashes in the shape of a cross on your forehead. We're going to make a statement to the effect of Jesus forgives everything that you've done. Jesus forgives us completely, glorifying him and his work in our life. After we place those on you, you can uh, make your way down to receive the elements of communion from one of our pastors. They'll be there handing those out for you. You can take that, and then you can return back to your seat. If you'd like someone to pray with you, one of our pastors will be available on the side as well to pray with you about whatever you might have. But the band will kind of lead us in worship throughout that whole period of time. As they're leading us, my encouragement to you is that you allow the Holy Spirit to remind you that you are a sinner in need of a savior. But don't stop in that place of conviction, but instead move forward into the place of rejoicing where you remember that's who I am, but I also know the savior. And he's come to redeem me, he's come to wash me, he's come to cleanse me, he has come to remove that old dead way of living completely, totally, fully, and finally from my life. Ash Wednesday is our reminder that we have sinned much but Jesus forgives more. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that on Ash Wednesday, we get to come and remember that we are sinners in need of a savior, and you have chosen to extend forgiveness and grace and new life to us. And so Lord, I pray for each individual that's in the room tonight, Lord, as they receive those ashes, May it be a reminder of who we are without you. And tonight when we go home and wash them off, may it be a moment of celebration as we remember who we are in you. That we are your sons and your daughters. That we are known fully and loved completely. That there is nothing we have done that you have not and will not forgive. And so Lord, we come tonight in an attitude of repentance, humility, and acceptance to receive the new life that you've offered to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.